The Last Joyride, Part 18, Thursday, 6.20 a.m. I woke up with a splitting headache. It wasn't the alcohol either. Probably the stress. I never did too well internally under stress. On the outside, I was one cool cucumber. But on the inside, I had a tangled web of nerves and every one of them red-hot wired into my brain. I lay there looking up at the ceiling of the camper in the morning light and started to nod off again. I forced myself up after a few more moments, snagged my t-shirt from the corner of the bed and started the hot water running for a quick shower. The shower's hot water was only good for about eight minutes or so, so I was quick about it. I brushed my teeth afterward and then began pulling my clean clothes on out of the stacked plastic totes in what was going to be the sitting area one day. It was then I noticed the yellow note tucked inside the screen door frame. I snatched it from the door and opened it. I made breakfast, was all it read in neat penmanship. It made me smile, even laugh a little. She must have come in when I was in the shower. I was starving too, so the prospect sounded fantastic. I towel-dried my hair, dressed and smoothed my hair back as best I could, then walked around the building for breakfast. The door was open, so I went in. Morning, sunshine, I announced. Come on in, she yelled from the kitchen. It's almost ready. It smelled terrific. If I wasn't mistaken, it was French toast. I walked past the slightly open curtain and into the apartment where Jorb was working diligently on the stove. She had her back to me. The smell was unmistakable. It was cinnamon, egg, and brown sugar, and slightly seared bread. French toast. I was so excited, but there was more. She had cooked bacon already on the table and was just finishing the scrambled eggs. I poured two cups of coffee and sat at the little round table while she dished out the warm food. As she stood next to me, I fought the urge to put my arm around her waist and pull her in. She felt familiar. Almost everything about her felt familiar. I wanted to touch her, but I didn't. Joy was stunningly cute that morning, too. She had obviously woke early and showered. Her hair was in a sloppy bun. She was makeup-free, completely, and smelled like some pleasant floral body wash, though she was in stiff competition with the bacon and French toast. It was the first time I saw her legs, too. They were nice. She was wearing cool camo cargo shorts and, be still my heart, a vintage Dead Kennedys t-shirt. I was starving when I woke up and I figured you would be too, so why not? She put the empty pan back onto the stove. Okay, powdered sugar or maple syrup? Um, uh, yes please, I answered. She returned to the table with both and we went to work on our breakfast. I coated my French toast with soft butter, then poured on just enough maple syrup, finally dashing it with the powdered sugar. Joy was watching me the whole time giggling. You've got that down pretty well, she said, taking the syrup for her French toast, but avoiding the rest. Yeah, I, I have to layer in all that goodness. Thank you for doing this, by the way, I said, looking across her at the table. In the dim morning light coming through the high glass cube window behind her, she was simply angelic. I loved the way she looked at me, studied me. It was intimidating, but exciting. Everything is so good. This is going to be an awesome day, thanks to you, Joy. I raised my coffee cup and we toasted. I meant it, too. It was a nice surprise, and it was going to be an awesome day. I would get my house settled and would fatten my bankroll up in the process. Outside of keeping my word to Joy for help the next week, I had no more commitments or ties to Georgia. I could be on my way. Excitement had replaced all the worry and dread from days and weeks earlier. Everything seemed to be finally coming into focus. What time do you have to be there? At 10. It's an Alpharetta. Baker and Haps. It's on Kimball Bridge. A good ways up there. Alpharectum, Joy repeated with a mouthful of eggs, snickering so badly she had to cover her face with her hand. Listen to you. A couple of days with me and you're already picking up my bad habits. She was right. I hated that part of town. It took forever to get there and forever to get back, and both ways, through the worst traffic in the southeast. We ate that absolutely wonderful breakfast and talked back and forth about the day ahead. That little Maserati we picked up a couple of days ago was hot and heavy on her mind for some reason. 
I could tell during breakfast the gears in the back of her head were turning the whole time. She couldn't put her finger on it. I knew how it was. It would come to her. I volunteered to do the dishes and began right away before I got lazy from the extra morning calories. Joy joined me, nearly shoulder to shoulder drying them as we went. Our little system worked well, and we had finished in no time. When the last of them were done, I put my fist out for a bump, but she looked at it sweetly and kissed my bald knuckles instead. I watched her do it. It was slow and deliberate. I swore I could feel tongue. She smiled when she caught me looking at her mouth agape. Then before I could take a breath, she pulled me down to her with both hands and kissed me. Definitely tongue that time, with just a hint of maple syrup. I just let it happen too. I couldn't kid myself about wanting her. If I had dreamed of having another woman in my life, Joy was the encapsulation of just such a woman. No denying it. I put my hands slowly around her waist, then let them slide down to her hips, feeling the softness of her old t-shirt and the shape of her body. I gripped her firmly and squeezed with both hands, forcing her closer in. We ended our kiss and she lay her head on my right shoulder. I could feel her warm panting across my neck. Well, I don't think I've ever kissed a breakfast cook before. Pretty nice. I always said stupid shit like that, mostly out of jittery nerves. I'm only calm and cool sometimes, I guess. She looked up at me. In the morning light, I swear I could see stars in her eyes as they got wider and wider. Wait a minute, she snapped, releasing me and bolting out of the kitchen to her bedroom, then running out of the small curtain apartment and into the garage proper. I stood dumbfounded, then slowly followed. She had gone out to the little Maserati and was sitting inside. I could see her pale legs dangling out of the passenger door. I fucking knew it, she yelled as I approached. Damn, that name. Joy was holding a magazine open as she sat in her little car. The glove box was open and its contents were spilled out onto the floor. I just hadn't had time to clean this stupid thing out. Look at this shit. This is Mystic's woman. Or was, or was about to be was, she said, handing me a poorly written note. It was a riot. It read, Gone to sack, sweet baby doll, will bring you my lovings when I get back. You wait in bed for me and I'll show you what mama can do for you. It was splashed with X's and O's and even kissed with a lipstick print and signed Sasha. And this is Sasha, Joy said, handing me the magazine open to a story about Mystic. He was posed with a very pretty young woman in a tight-fitting business suit next to a grand piano in what looked to be a posh estate. Members of his posse were in the background in their best hard gangster poses. This guy's a fucking dumbass, was my response as I handed the magazine back to her. No shit. But if this car is coming up for repo already, then Davinwood wasn't full of shit. It's really coming. I mean, I didn't have any reason to doubt him, except that I just don't trust anyone, but damn. So this is Mystic's car? Is it on Davinwood's list? No, she shook her head. Nothing like it on there. That's just a crazy little ass list. I mean, it's all over the map. I'm going to do some studying today while you're gone and see what I can come up with. Get a plan of attack together. Time's a ticking. Indeed, it was, too. We had to round up eight unidentified-to-me cars in four days. As far as I know, Joy didn't even have a remote idea where the cars were. I followed her back into the apartment. Sorry, that's been bugging the shit out of me. I knew that name. I just couldn't place it. She tossed the fluff magazine onto the futon, took my left hand and put it around her. Then she leaned in close. Now where were we? She kissed me softly again, closing her eyes, and it felt nice. Lovely. But the mood had slipped. At least mine. My monkey brain, having been interrupted, had already begun to worry about the day ahead. Travel times, traffic, and paperwork. But of course, I let her finish. No sense in being a damn fool about it. But she knew. What's wrong, she asked, looking up at me inquisitively, her brown eyes darting back and forth across my face. 
I'm just thinking about the time, and maybe I need to get some things together to take with me. I tried to look away in search of a clock, but she stopped me, put both hands on my cheeks, and pulled me down to her again, and began again. This time, she was moving to the futon. I had to follow. Had to. She released me and sat, pulling me next to her. Ah, uh, it's not even 7.30 yet. Well, almost. You've got plenty of time. You don't want to leave during rush hour anyway. You'd just be wasting time. She was right, of course. I was just doing what I usually did and overthinking it. It was a bad habit. If my mind planned on leaving early, arriving early, giving myself enough time to get confused, turned around and lost, stuck in traffic, etc. That was just how it was. It was typical of me. A pattern of life was something I was eager to shed in pursuit of something more self-confidence-inspiring. You know, I've got to get all my stuff together to take with me. I continued in a feeble attempt to explain myself. She pulled me in again. This woman knew how to kiss. It was different this time. Before, I had been the instigator. I had the lead. Whatever lead it may have been, I took the initiative, and she followed along. This was not like that at all. She was kissing me, as if she were demonstrating how she wanted me to approach the act in the future. It was a confusing embroilment of horny, inadequate, and surprise. Disconcerting, to say the least. And as usual, as our tongues danced a fiery tango, I was overthinking all of it. I paused and pulled slightly away, but she never opened her eyes, only leaned back and pulled me with her. Plenty of time, Nick, she whispered. I slid down next to her, left her hips to taste her neck and ears. Her body began to undulate as I ran my hand slowly up the side of her shirt, lingering and feeling her silky warm skin. She let out a deep breath, almost a moan, and stopped me, grabbed my arm through her shirt, pushed herself away. I sat up, not knowing what to expect, but certainly didn't expect what happened. Joy looked at me. Her eyes seemed darker and focused. She looked much younger without makeup. She didn't need it. Most women don't. Her skin was olive brown and flawless, save a single dark patch above her left cheek. It was a birthmark that I noticed for the first time. I started to stand, but she quickly pushed me back, and without making another sound, she sat straddling me, then kissed me once, never taking her eyes off me, leaned back, and removed her shirt. Instinctively, I put my arms around her small, tender frame, taking her hair down, and pulled her to me, feeling the warmth of her skin. In only a moment more, she interrupted another kiss and stripped off my shirt, then, then pressed herself against me once more. She started on my forehead and was working her way down, kissing across my face, moving slowly. She had my hands pinned at my sides. My mind was racing, and it shouldn't have been. Well, maybe it should have, but I wasn't in the game, and maybe I should have been. It was strange. She was strange. She could go from aloof to focused in a matter of seconds. I never knew where I stood, save that very moment. And like most of the other situations I had experienced with Joy, she was in complete control. It was the only way she was comfortable. That was it. That bullshit is where my mind was. Why suddenly did she want me? Why did she want me, period? I had barely been able to ask her questions without her clamming up and becoming hostile when pressed. For whatever self-preservative reasons, my brain chose to react right then. Joy had reached my stomach, and I managed to overpower her and stop her, pulling her to me for a simple, sweet kiss. She tried to make it more, her tongue flicking against my lips, but I slowed her down. What's the matter now? she questioned. She moved in again, not waiting for an answer, but I was determined to give her one, and I stopped her. For the first time, to my recollection, I held someone else's face so they would look at me. Joy, I like you, but I really don't know you. You don't know me either. I thought maybe I was ready for all this, but I'm not. She clenched her jaw. I had seen that before. 
Then she removed my hands from her face. I began to backpedal. I mean, I'm ready. I want to be in love again. I want to feel all that. And maybe I was stumbling for words, but she wasn't listening anyway. She got up off of me and quickly put her shirt on and stormed off to her bedroom. I sat there like a shirtless, helpless idiot for a few seconds, watching her snatch clothing off the racks, dividing the rooms. I wrestled my shirt back on and stood, daring to speak to her. Joy, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. I'll have my phone if you need me. I'll call you when I'm done, just in case you need me to pick you up from somewhere. Silence. Did you hear me? I asked louder. She was brushing her hair, but stopped and turned to me, eyes on fire, mouth closed tight. We made eye contact for as long as I could stand it. Only a second or two. My God, she was stunning. But I kept my mouth shut, fearing further damage. She went back to brushing, and I quickly left.